Much music was it. Canada's beating heart of pop culture. With innovative, rule-breaking content and personalities that crackled with excitement and energy. Much music changed how TV looked, sounded, and feels. Then it changed direction and drove off a cliff. But what if it hadn't? What if much music had continued to innovate and evolve, incorporating new technology and social media? What would it look like today? The answer? New Music Nation. A trusted space where music fans can find the best in new independent music, curated by dynamic new VJs from across the country. New Music Nation is the brainchild of Steven Kersner and his alter ego, much music and cable TV icon, Ed the Sock. Kersner has embarked on a crowdfunding campaign to launch an online music channel that would capture the spirit of much music in its heyday with a focus on new Canadian talent. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, both Kersner and Ed the Sock join us to talk about the New Music Nation concept and why it's time to restore the much music legacy for a new generation. Hi, I'm Stephen Kersner, probably best known as the creator of Ed the Sock, referred to as a Canadian icon. I don't do that referring, other people do it. That would be very self, self-serving and that's just not very Canadian to do it for yourself. I uh, started in television when I was 14. I volunteered at the local cable access TV station, Newton Cable. It was family owned in Northwest Toronto, 12,500 subscriber homes. So probably less than 50,000 people available to watch. I volunteered there and then I was hired part-time uh, when I was uh, 15 and then became permanent part-time, which meant 35 hours a week. Uh, I would go in after high school and work the evenings because the station was only open evenings. And uh, that was when I was, I think I 16 when that happened. Um, the person who ran the station, I say ran the station in quotes because he would, the front office would leave at five o'clock at the end of the day. We opened at 3 p.m. At 5.30, as soon as he was sure that the front office had cleared out, he took off and left me in my teens to run a TV station. We had four or five different TV shows coming in every night, some of them live, the majority of them live phone-ins, others just taped. And I had to manage a a staff of people who were basically my age, Uh, some of them I actually went to school with, some of them were older than me, and uh, because nobody else stepped forward to to fill the gap, uh, it was me. And I, when I got there, when I first started, I saw that there was a lot of areas that were neglected. And I figured that if I took over the neglected areas and made it better, then I'd make myself essential. And that's basically what I did. Management eventually found out that this guy was not really doing his job and I was covering for him. And after I graduated high school, when I was 18, they fired him and hired me for the job. And I ran the station for, I don't know, I think I ran it for six years. During that time, managed to create uh, two shows that became broadcast TV shows, uh, both Ed the Sock, Ed's Night Party, and a show called The Buzz, which won a Gemini Award for uh, writing. The thing I'm proudest about is that I turned the station to something that was really something the community liked by putting people on who were local eccentrics or just really common people who were so had charisma in their lack of charisma, 
and the station became very much what YouTube would eventually become well before there was any hint of YouTube. I loved working with real people, real characters, and reflecting reality rather than trying to put on shows, especially when we had no budget. And when I say no budget, the owners of the company would get new furniture and they would give us the cardboard boxes and we would make sets out of cardboard and cover it over with, with cloths and things like that. We really had no money, but I loved it because you can either have money or you can have ingenuity. You can't really have both. Uh, when you don't have money, you have to find new ways of thinking and new ways of getting things done. And that applies to, it, it applies itself to the creative as well. Rogers Cable bought Newton Cable. I went to Rogers Cable as an executive producer. I was there for a couple of years, but Ed's Night Party had become very popular. I created Ed in 1987, and just as an amusement for me, it, a friend of mine was doing a, a variety show, but he needed a co-host because he was undisciplined. And I was doing political programming at the time, so I couldn't be the co-host on a comedy show. So I just created this puppet that was based on a friend's father and stepfather melding their personalities. I got the materials from the kids' show set where there was the arts and crafts box, and that's how Ed the Sock came to be created. Ed just got more and more popular, and people really liked it, and I was having fun doing it. And so created uh, eventually the show Ed's Night Party, which is the thing that became very successful. It eventually was carried on all the major cable companies across the country at 11.30 p.m. on Fridays. We were, uh, at the same time, Ralph Ben Murgy and CBC were trying to put together a show, and people were saying that our show was made for 75 cents and it was better, which I was very proud of. And Ed's Night Party went to City TV. Moses approached us. Actually, CBC came to me first about Ed, but I knew I would last there for six episodes. And then Moses came via Jay Switzer, may he rest in peace, quite a visionary, and said, no, come to City TV and Much Music. We'll put Ed on Much Music. We'll do Ed's Night Party on City TV. And that's what happened. And I stayed there for 14 years. I quit Much Music. And then the last year of Ed's Night Party was the last year. Because even though we beat out all competition, we were beating Letterman and Leno in the ratings. Rogers had bought City TV. And Rogers had a different plan for City TV. They wanted to get rid of everything that people remembered about City TV and get rid of all that character and branding. And so I was, Ed's Night Party was one of the things that went out with the bathwater. I was quite happy at that point in time to do that because including cable years, I had been doing Ed's Night Party for 16 years. I did some work with CHCH Television, which best left unmentioned. And then I went to CBC. I produced uh, the comedy bits and the, the video bits for George Strombolopoulos Tonight. This is my friend, George. Uh, I was there for the last season of that show before George went to Hockey Night in Canada. After that, I created the F, uh, FUN, the FU Network, which is an audio podcast network that uh, initially was about politics and has now segged into more uh, social issues, comedic stuff, shows like Men's Planning, which is a bunch of men from various walks of life talking about how to be the best man you can be in, in 2021. So it's not douchey. It's not dude bro. It's uh, remarkably deep, yet at the same time, uh, fun. And then I decided I really wanted to build New Music Nation. This has actually been in my head for at least six years, because people have been saying to me, what happened to Much Music? I miss Much Music. I miss Ed the Sock. And I realized, since I was there at Much Music and I watched it fall apart, I even, incur I even counseled them why it was falling apart, but nobody listened. What killed it is Much Music stopped being Much Music. People didn't stop 
liking that particular style of content. So I started to uh, lay the groundwork for creating New Music Nation, which is an online channel, uh, online video music channel with the spirit of much music, but updated with the current technology and social media with new VJs. And that brings us to today. Let's talk about your crowdfunding campaign. You think there's room for an online channel that would have similar energy to much, but you want to focus on emerging Canadian talent. Yes, because, listen, the big boys, they don't need the attention. The big record labels don't need the attention. And when you deal with big record labels, they invariably wind up having a level of control that I don't like. When I was at Much Music, I used to always say, we need to use this platform to uh, give spotlights to emerging bands, unsigned bands. And they said, no, we would only play, they only would play videos by bands that had been signed by major record labels. Their excuse was, we'll get a lot of people applying with their videos. And how do you say yes to one and no to the other? And I said, by saying yes to one and no to the other, it's called leadership but they were afraid of the deluge of videos they would get. So they didn't fulfill their mandate as far as I'm concerned about really giving a leg up to uh, artists that needed it as opposed to ones that were already well on their way. So that's why I'm focusing on, and you know, Canadian artists, especially independent artists, it, COVID's been, been deadly to them. They make their living on live shows and there's been no live shows, but they're still producing music videos and people still watch music videos they've evolved they've changed they're not they're not the multi-million dollar things they were before but they're still an art form they're still an art to putting visuals to lyrics and explaining the song visually as well as while you're listening to the song and people listen there's more videos produced now than ever and people watch them on youtube the problem is that there's nobody curating these videos if you want to find something you've got to hunt and peck you've got to graze and that's a waste of people's who has the time anymore to constantly go looking and searching for decent music with new music nation it's going to be curated so that when you get there you'll know that the music has gone through a quality filter and so things like being able to hear people's vocals will be there and the quality of visuals and you know not rating it as art but rating it from a technical point of view as well as checking out like is this good or is this bad so that it'll be curated and it'll also be presented with the sensibility of classic much music which is zany and anarchic, but at the same time knowledgeable about music and clear in its love of music. So in the streaming ecoverse that we're in now, and you've kind of touched on competition for eyeballs, but the other big issue is monetization. What's your approach here? Well, we launched the crowdfunder on Indiegogo because the plan is to get enough money, enough fuel in the tank to produce content. And that content will then be used as proof of of concept to talk to advertisers with. I have talked to some advertisers who are interested, but all of them say the same thing. What's it going to look like? And I understand that's a that's a valid question. Uh, nobody has the same frame of reference. No two people have the same frame of reference. So I could be describing something and they could be visualizing it in a completely different way. So having uh, actual content samples and content produced takes away the mystery and they can see this is what they'll be sponsoring. So the idea is to go to uh, advertising rather than trying to live on monetization of YouTube is a fool's errand. Those days are long gone. Very few people can make a living uh, with monetization of YouTube. 
There's a lot of people who think that because some people have done it, they can do it, but the odds are very, very high against you. And it'll take you years until you earn anything that's approaching a, an income. So uh, we're going to go the advertising route. So what would the platform look like? It'll be on YouTube. It'll be on Facebook. And there will be uh, short form content on Twitter and uh, Instagram and TikTok. So it'll be all over. There'll be blocks of programming that are dedicated to certain genres of music. Our show names are Power Hour, Gen Pop, which is going to be the more poppy kind of music, Rhapsody, which is rap music, Yo Canada, which is a showcase for just Canadian talent, One World, which is world beats, you know, music from different cultures that's, that are within Canada but have, have a particular musical voice, and uh, Fromage, uh, which is going to be Ed looking at doing what he always did with Fromage, which was much music's most successful show. Ed talking over, making commentary over videos that had made certain egregious mistakes in messaging or in imaging. So having fun with it, but it's really media literacy. We'll be doing that with videos as well, but not picking the ones that didn't have the money to do it any better because that's just shooting fish in a barrel. A question that comes up for me is, you know, under Bell Media, they really walked away from what was an institution as a format. How much do you think that had to do with audiences moving online to watch music video content? What's your take on what happened behind the scenes there? Well, much music was on its last legs before Bell Media ever took it over. People correlate the, the, the death of much music to Bell Media taking over. Bell Media is not responsible for what happened to Much Music. By the time Bell Media came in, Much Music was already a corpse. Uh, what happened was a management change prior to any hint of a sale happening. Denise Donlin had been in charge time, the whole time I was there until this new management came in. And Denise was brilliant. And she came in with, a, with this mandate that she created to show the relevance of music videos, which myself and other people mocked her at the time, but I came around to her way of thinking. All the, the cool stuff that was built in Much Music was built during her, her time because she had a vision for where the channel was supposed to go. And when you have a vision, you have a yardstick to determine whether you're achieving it or not and whether it's an achievable goal. The new management came in and said they had no vision for the channel, like actually said, no, we have no vision. We're a music video station, we play music videos. So there was no particular goal or direction there. I had conflicts, myself and just about everybody else had conflicts with one of the decision makers because uh, this person did not have respect for the Much Music audience, didn't like Much Music's programming. I don't know what kind of language I can use here, but if you have to bleep it, you can bleep it. I was told our audience is stupid and just wants shit, so we're just going to give them shit. And that was their legitimate direction at the time and then they and they issued another edict that the audience is so dumb that they can't remember anything that happened more than three months ago so don't reference anything in your shows that happened more than three months ago now i had just done uh, a new documentary series called smart ass the ed the sock report and we reported on we did a, a documentary about rap music and we traced the origins of rap music back to, to africa hundreds of years ago and I told them with your, your edict about three months, we did a documentary show, a comedy documentary, but it was legitimate information that went back hundreds of years and we got higher ratings than anything else you put on that month. And they said, yeah, the audience isn't interested in it. And I said, no, you didn't hear me. We got higher ratings than anything else you had on. 
And they said, yeah, the audience just isn't into it. So there's clearly a disconnect with reality that was going on there. So they, they killed everything that was associated with much music, the tree toss, which people still remember to this day, snow job, where we'd go out to various small communities across the, the country and bring bands and do concerts. I killed fromage because I quit. Everything that was an identifier of much music, you know, registered who they were, was dismissed. And in their place was really bad reality shows. Like this person used to always have their TV on MTV. And when you'd go in, they'd say, why can't you, we do shows like that? And the answer was because we're much music, not MTV. We're a different station. And uh, MTV is all about the glitz and glamour. Much music is about nuts and bolts and being very self-effacing and ground level. Also, they have a lot more money and resources. So they decided to pursue trying to copy MTV shows, but with about a tenth the resources available. So it looked cheap and it looked like it was derivative, whereas much music had always been innovative. And they started running teen dramas and people just left. Much music stopped being much music. A lot of what went down at much was that sense of community that came from seeing fan solidarity and having that physical location at Queen and John in this virtual distanced world that we're in now. How do you think you can capture that online? Well, we can, nobody I don't think can ever again capture the kind of zeitgeist that much music had. Much music had existed in a time when there was very few channels and it was the only channel, the only game in town doing what it did. So it became a common shared experience across the country. There are no common experiences anymore. TV shows now have ratings that, TV shows that are hits have ratings that before would have got them canceled. There is no common experience anymore. We don't, you know, other than phenomena like The Mandalorian, for example, very few shows are are water cooler these days. And so can we ever have that potency, that sense of community that much music had? Yes, we can have the sense of community. It simply won't be as influential as much music was. It's not going to be on TVs and doctor's offices and Best Buy, but we can still build very much that feeling that's missing because there's generations that grew up on much music and they can feel the, the gap. They can feel the loss. So they'll be the ones that come to this first. We can build that sense of community. There's going to be a lot of interactivity. People can become citizen VJs, which means that uh, if they find a band's video that they like and it qualifies as an independent or emerging artist, then they can do the, v- the VJ throw for the band and send it to us. And we'll, we'll make a show just of in, you know citizen VJs doing throws. We're going to have back and forth. So the long-term goal is to have uh, mini Much Music headquarters in uh, a few cities across the country, not just centered in Toronto, where people can come in and see bands playing and hang out and be a part of the shows that are being recorded. You know, that's the long-term goal, but that's the goal that comes with advertising support. You have some VJ video bios up on the site. Are these people we would see on New Music Nation? Yeah, those are some of the people I've been working with. Um, very happy with how they've come along. We've got Des, who's out in uh, Inuvik in Northwest Territories. So he's got a unique perspective on, he's, he's a very funny guy. He's got an interesting twisted perspective on things. He's also an amateur professional wrestler. He's a filmmaker and he's running for mayor, quite a character. We've got Robbie Stevenson, who's a stand-up comedian from Kingston. And he is also a diagnosed schizophrenic and former drug addict. 
So he brings really interesting perspective to, to the channel and to comedy. He's treated, he's, he's a medicated schizophrenic. He's managed, I guess is the term, and he's not a drug addict anymore, but he's got a very funny, unique tilt on life. And he'll be doing mostly the heavy metal stuff because he lives for that. Uh, Candy Marie is actually somebody who uh, years ago used to be on my late night show. She was a dancer on my late night show. And she has made herself known on Instagram. She's going to handle more of the pop stuff and the light, light music. She's got quite an electric personality. And uh, Allie B, she's a farm girl from rural Ontario, grew up on a farm, still lives on a farm, loves her snowboarding, loves her hockey, loves to cook. She's actually a professional chef. But she has her own perspective on things as well, a different perspective than somebody coming from a city. She's game for anything. And uh, she's probably going to handle more of the independent rock sound kind of stuff. But everybody will be handling everything when we do just, you know, video flow. There'll be a mix of different kinds of music and everybody will get a chance to host that. I think the one thing they all have in common is that they are not the kind of talent you would see on mainstream television. And that was what Much Music was as well. You know, the, the kind of people that were on Much Music mainstream television ran screaming from us because we weren't contained. We weren't controlled. I mean, the idea that we were completely undisciplined was something that was a bit of a sales pitch because while we weren't told what to say, we weren't uh, given scripts other than PSAs to read or ad copy to read, but we could read it our own way. We were hired to be personalities and they let us be personalities. And very rarely did you get in any trouble. We all knew where the, where the line was. And we danced on the line, but we didn't cross that line. And so you had personalities that didn't have management interfering in what they were doing. So people didn't speak with a management voice, a unified management voice. They spoke with their own voice. And that's what I'm looking for with New Music Nation. New voices, new personalities, people that personalize that reflect who we are as Canadians and that people can watch and say, I see myself in that person. Because the VJs at Much Music were never the uh, the football captain and the prom queen. They were the kids who got stuffed in lockers. And people could see themselves in people like Steve Anthony, Chris Ward, Bradford Howe, George Strombolopoulos, Rick Campanelli, uh, Rachel Perry, Amanda, uh, Namageni Kiwanuka. There were you know, so many, Rainbow, Son Franks. There were so many people that were so different. Oh, and Master T, can't forget him. But people could see themselves because the, the VJs were your friends. They weren't superstars. Even though you'd get mobbed when you went out, none of us ever thought, believed our own press. We were always very down to earth and always did everything we could when, when fans were there to, to please them. And so people re reacted that, you know, these were friends of ours, uh, the VJs. They weren't people who put themselves above the audience. And that's what we're going to replicate. Are you actively taking talent submissions? Um, yes, we're definitely taking talent submissions uh, of bands, you know, send their videos, or people can send a video of them showing their personality if they were interested in being VJs. And you can send that to submissions at newmusicnation.ca. The .ca is very important because there's somebody squatting on the uh, .com address that hasn't updated their site in years. So it's newmusicnation.ca. Would you entertain bringing back some of the original Much BJs? You talked about introducing some of your old classic segments. Are we going to see a lot of similarities to what we remember Much Music being about? You will see the same sensibility. 
Um, we're not, I'm not trying to replicate the past. That was done. I'm trying to take the essence and the spirit that was behind that, create, that creative environment, that creative culture, and apply it to today, to today's sensibilities, to today's technology, to social media, to the world that is today. Much Music was always proud of itself on being interactive and communicating with its audience. Well, now with social media, Much Music's potential can be realized far more than it even could before. So you're going to see the same sensibility. You're going to see the, wa see the wackiness. You're also going to see the knowledgeable music love. And it will, you'll recognize it. And will any of the former VJs come back? Not permanently. Um, but don't be surprised if you see, you know, guest hosts or, you know, guests popping up from the past. I know I certainly uh, uh, have been talking to Rick Campanelli, Rick the Temp. All of us have stayed friends over the years. That's the thing. There's never been really a tell-all book published about behind the scenes at Much Music because behind the scenes, everybody liked each other. And uh, there wasn't drugs everywhere and debauchery. We we're blue-collar people working in television, basically. And people are still in touch today, years later. Can I talk to Ed for a minute, Stephen? I think that can be arranged. Hold on. Ed! What? He wants to talk to you. <sighs> Hi, Ed. Hello! I, I feel like you probably have a lot to say about the state of terrestrial television these days. There, is there still terrestrial television? I'm sorry, I hadn't noticed. It's a mess. I mean, uh, the uh, Canadian industry is on life support. They treat the internet as a nice-to-have rather than their future. The difference is CBC has pinned their future to online, so they at least are seeing ahead Though a lot of the stuff that they put on as television doesn't resonate, other than great things like Shit's Creek and uh, Kim's Convenience, both of which are gone. I don't see a lot of inspired Canadian programming happening. The CRTC has allowed networks to put all of their, their money, their, their must-spend Canadian dollars, into one or two shows instead of spreading it out during the broadcast day. So we don't get those small personal shows anymore. We get hospital dramas and cop dramas things that the Americans do better than we do. A big compliment to a Canadian show is, hey, it's as good as an American show. And, uh, you know, great. So you can never exceed it. You're always, when you're judged by the yardstick of somebody else, you're judged by, uh, are you as good or not as good? But you're not judged on your own merits. So I don't think that these amalgamations that have gone on with companies have benefited the Canadian industry at all. It used to be there was like, six seven eight doors you could knock on with an idea for a tv show now there's like two and a half and it, the the door knob has been placed higher and higher and higher so you can't reach it so it's not been great for canadian creatives i know so many people who are very creative great talents who are working at fruit markets you know there's anything wrong with working at a fruit market but when you're a tv creative that's not the, the job you you trained in and and got experience in so it's uh been a real period of adjustment and i'm not sure that i buy the argument that they had to get bigger to compete they're bigger and uh i don't see that they're competing all that well and the idea of cutting people to build your bottom line that's like if you're uh, an egg farmer and you decide to get rid of half your chickens sure your cost for feed is going to go down 
but you're also going to get less eggs. So when you cut creative people from creative industries, all you got left are a few pencil pushers, and those, those ones are afraid to come forward with ideas for shows. I mean, back in the Much Music Day, you had an idea for a show. You got a camera person who was free that afternoon. You shot a pilot and gave it, you know, had it edited by an editor and gave it to them. When I did Fromage, it was canceled because the producer had moved up to space. And myself and Leanna Kersner and Stephen Kersner took the uh, idea, changed it into making fun of uh, big videos instead of making fun of little videos, and did the, the show without anybody knowing. Produced it, shot it, wrote it, uh, edited it, and then just handed it in and said, here's the show. And they aired it. That's inspiration talking. Nowadays, inspiration uh, goes to TV networks to die because everything goes to a committee. And committees are uh, an excuse for things to die so that nobody feels it's like when they killed Caesar, that many of them did it. So nobody knew who did the killing blow. That's what happens in committees. That's where ideas go to die. So, Ed, I don't want to see you working at a fruit stand. Not that there's anything wrong with working at a fruit stand. I love fruit. Me too. Do you want to talk about how people can donate to the Indiegogo campaign? And I know you're offering some perks. Yeah, lots of, I mean, I threw myself into this Indiegogo campaign. People can do a podcast with me. They can do a Zoom call. I can do, they can get me to do a greeting uh, message for themselves or somebody that they choose. They can be a VJ for a day. We've got legitimate vintage much music postcards with me on them that I found a, a haul of them that had been stored away. Comic books. Uh, we did three full color comic books back in the day, and they can they can get those. There's a whole bunch of uh, perks that people can get for uh, for signing on, and also pimp my business. In which, if they pay the money, I will do a short video about their business. So, uh, it was just cheaper than anything you're going to find anywhere else. Anyone uh, with with my uh, recognizability doing a video for your business, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. This is not going to cost you that. Because we're just trying to get the, the money together. And people can, I mean, our first day has been pretty good. We were up to like 13% of our total within a few hours. And, and that's pretty good. Where are we now? We're at 14% of our goal. And it's only been up a few hours. And to get there, rather than giving you a long thing to fill out for Indiegogo, go to newmusicnation.ca. And there's an Indiegogo link there. You can click there and it'll take you to the Indiegogo. It's the easiest thing to remember. Newmusicnation.ca. Thanks, Ed. Do you or Stephen have any parting thoughts? Well, my parting thoughts is, is? All of a sudden I'm changing pluralities. My parting thoughts are that uh, this is the kind of thing that Canada needs. Canadians want something that media that reflects them. And yeah, there's lots of people on YouTube, but most of them are jackasses. Most of them, they bloviate out bloviate up their, up their upstairs uh, butthole uh, about things they don't even have any understanding about. It's, it's undisciplined. Just because you have a camera and you can broadcast across the world doesn't mean you should or you know how. So the argument that there's a lot of videos out there, so what? There's a lot of everything out there, but there's a lot of restaurants out there, but you choose a certain restaurant that you like because you, you know they got the service and the food you like. You don't just go restaurant to restaurant constantly. YouTube is like the world's biggest refrigerator door with drawings from everybody else's kid on it. Value, entertainment value, is really limited to the people who put it up there, their friends and family. This is something that is intended to reflect and represent Canada, our way of thinking too. 
which is very self-effacing humor, uh, self-aware, down-to-earth, but also smart and subversively smart. This is what this is going to be there to reflect Canada and to give our artists a real way to uh, get a spotlight on them that went away when much music took a dirt nap. I think I agree with what Ed had to say there, um, but he's probably said as much as needs to be said. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Stephen. You're welcome. Hey, thank you very much. Good to talk to you, Connie. listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.